Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers veterans' issues and inspiring stories from our veteran community. We're powered by ConnectingVets.com, and I'm your host, Navy vet Phil Briggs. Today, we're going to follow up on previous reporting of the VA's efforts to research and possibly use psychedelics to help veterans overcome things like PTSD and heal their wounds, both physical and emotional. But I recently received a newsletter from a friend of mine over at TreatNow.org an organization that's dedicated to ending service member suicide through the use of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Dr. Robert Beckman joins us, and he's a repeat guest on Ion Veterans, and I always learn a lot every time we talk. Today, he's here to challenge the notion that alternative modalities like psychedelics and cannabis, you name them, are the things vets really need in order to make a crucial difference in the treatment of PTSD and pain, and end the vicious cycle of depression that leads to far too many suicides every year. So, here to discuss hyperbaric oxygen therapy and his recent punch-filled newsletter is Dr. Robert Beckman, TreatNow.org Executive Director. Dr. Beckman, thanks for being back on the show, my friend. Hi, Phil. Glad you uh, reached out. Very important subject. Millions and millions and millions of dollars being poured into exploration of... uh, Pharmaceuticals, psychedelics, uh, interventions with outside the body stuff and uh, lots of uh, talk therapy and so forth uh, to veterans who have brain wounds that are not being treated. And that's what I found so fascinating about your newsletter, because as we're going to dive in this hour, um, there is so much to take in. And point by point by point, we talk about the use of hyperbaric oxygen therapy, its benefits really how it is not a new modality. It is a proven medical therapy. I found all the punches and all the swings you took almost made me feel a little bit bad because I have dove really deep into the coverage of psychedelics. I've had Navy SEALs on that swear by ayahuasca. I've had other guys that have talked to me about MDMA therapy and ketamine. And here I champion hyperbaric oxygen the same way, 
but yet it is radically different. And before we dive into your newsletter, share with me a little bit, just the 30,000 foot view. What is hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Uh, simple. Uh, anybody who's been up on a high mountain or in a rapid decompression in an aircraft knows that the medical intervention is increase the pressure, get down as quickly as possible, breathe more oxygen. So a chamber uh, in the hands of a medical technician uh, will increase the pressure depending on the ailment uh, and the percentage of oxygen that is breathed. So the FDA has approved 14 indications. For example, carbon monoxide poisoning, poisoning of any kind, post-surgical brain fog, hyperbaric oxygen, burn pit victims, hyperbaric oxygen. Also for burns, uh, diabetic foot ulcers, uh, 14 different indications, all of which are used worldwide. Uh, unfortunately, not in the VA. Mm. And that's kind of where the newsletter sort of tees off. Yeah. Um, let me set you up there because thank you for answering that question. The diabetic foot ulcers and burns were the ones that I couldn't think of. And, uh, yeah, you know, they're used widely in the medical community for those conditions. And it's funny that they're okay to use, even according to the FDA. But as you just said, the VA, they're not in the business of making this a treatment option. And well, they, I want to they start have with no your chambers, news. for example, Phil, in the VA. Um, we can get to it later, the culture in the VA around palliating symptoms as opposed to root cause analysis of brain wounds and healing those brain wounds. But people are familiar with uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, uh, uh, particularly in sports. Aaron Rodgers snaps his uh, um, Achilles. Uh, surgery in the hyperbaric chamber. We've got pictures of them going into Malibu with the chamber. Uh, LeBron James, Michael Phelps, world champions, official legal blood doping. Hyperbaric oxygen increases the oxygen into the blood and stem cells for healing and extends the range of peak performance by 10 to 20%. Who wouldn't want to use hyperbaric oxygen? Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of professional athletes use it just for healing after combat, their form of combat. Uh, Israeli soldiers, by the way, important note, Israel Defense Forces, IDF, brain-injured citizens in Israel, Tel Aviv, four 14-person multi-place chambers, treated traumatic brain injury right away. It's used all over the world. China's got tens of thousands of chambers. Russia uses it all the time. I could go on and on with the... 17 countries that are doing this uh, routinely, but not so here. Gosh, the athletes alone. I mean, we're in the height of the football season right now, and you named a couple names there. I mean, to think that these pro athletes know to use this and that the VA, who's treating oftentimes head injuries just as severe, you know, as a quarterback sack, if not greater, they don't. I want to quote your article here that talks about a ProPublica study. And after you went on to say the Veterans Administration continues their off-course trajectory by avoiding actual brain wound healing and pumping money into research, you point out a ProPublica study that covered how the VA fails veterans on mental health. And uh, you said in what has become an almost annual body count, investigative reporters analyzed 313 studies conducted by the VA's inspector general in recent years, showing how repeated failures in behavioral care in the VA continue 
to lead to suicides. Tell me a little bit about how that relates to hyperbaric oxygen. The, the VA, it's the largest health institution in the world. Budgets, which are staggering. And the number of veterans goes down every year. Uh, we used to be up over 20 million. We're down around 18 and a half million. And yet the suicide epidemic uh, among service members and veterans keeps going up. They throw tens and hundreds of millions more dollars into suicide prevention programs, DOD and the VA. Well, where does the money go? Not, repeat, not, underline, bold, italics, not for treating and healing brain wounds. It's palliating symptoms. So let's let's break that out. Brain injuries are thrown into the mental health category. Medicine and uh, DOD and the VA. It's a mental health problem. For the longest time, um, was all mental health problems, PTSD, no TBI. Uh, I could tell you long stories I was personally involved in where uh, the Army not just tamped down, but rigorously fought against collecting TBI data and checking on brain state before going over and after coming back, even though Congress had ordered that they get pre and post brain scans. Uh, Well, let me be careful. They were to take an exam to adjudicate whether or not they had been affected by combat going to war. They abhor scans because that's objective data on the status of the brain. Spec scans, fMRI, DTI, whole bunch of ways to look and see that the brain is in fact damaged. But let's be careful. You can't see a concussion on a scan. So the poor bastard with a PTSD diagnosis is probably going to lose a clearance, is probably going to lose his career. So they shovel the PTSD under the mat and they press on. Uh, they take drugs for sleep, for vigilance, for pain, etc. cetera. But uh, they carry on with the thousand yard stare. We can go on and on with the stories we've been told about veterans who have been rocked by a blast, uh, clearly have been concussed, uh, and being told to suck it up, Marine. It's just astonishing uh, when when you wind up being told that, yeah, you've been hurt, take a knee, let's spend a, a, a few hours and get back in the fight. Over time, TBI was unassailably true. The Army woke up late. They got the uh, rose pinned on them to do the investigations of traumatic brain injury. In in the course of time, the Army was given over $186 million to run studies. Underline $186 million. What did they do with their money and their studies? Five randomized controlled trials in which the data show conclusively, the data, not the conclude, the data show conclusively HBOT is safe and effective. Their conclusions, however, because of statistical sleight of hand, were that it didn't work because everybody got better. The treatment group and the control group. Well, what were they doing? They were uh, playing fast and loose with physics, biochemistry, and declaring that a sort of dose, a low dose of hyperbaric oxygen, low pressure, low oxygen, uh, was not medicine. The UHMS 
declared that hyperbaric medicine began at 1.4 atmospheres of pressure. Well, sadly for them, worldwide research before and during and after that fistfight for 10 years showed that low pressure and low oxygen are medicinal. So any increase in pressure and or oxygen is medicine. So what the Army had done was a dosing study. Dosing studies are fine, good evidence. What works the best? We don't know because we can't know how badly a veteran has been rocked and how close they were to the blast, how many blasts, what kind of weapon are they firing, uh, in what kind of succession did they get hurt, were they in an enclosed structure, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so uh, an almost infinite number of brain injuries that were categorized as mental health problems, and the VA, true to its word, were dealing with mental health. And if you look at the, the clinical practice guidelines and the standard of care, it's all about treating symptoms, palliating the pain, the uh, nausea, the uh, lack of sleep and memory and fear, and on and on. And so it's natural over time when you've got a, a movement independently of the army, by the way, and the VA and DOD, medicine in general, a movement that started back in the fifties to take hallucinogenics and psychedelics and so forth and alter your consciousness. Well, uh, Navy SEALs are famous, brilliantly famous for trying anything to deal with the pain, to deal with being ready to fight. And so, under the table, lots of folks are going for treatment with, we'll call them plant-based medicinal properties. And one thing that I'm sure you've heard over and over again, man, when you get hit with, you know, the toad, uh, ayahuasca, psilocybin, I could go on with ecstasy, uh, ibogaine, ketamine, etc. Whatever's bothering you, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, you're in a different world. That's all well and good, but let's talk Turkey about the concussion cascade. Phil, this is central to all of our work. The brain is wounded, whether you're a 10-year-old who gets rocked on the football field, professional athlete, you fall down, you have a stroke, you get concussed in war or in a fight or an accident, there is a wound to your brain. Let's repeat that. There is a wound to your brain. And the definition of wound healing, you must have oxygen and energy. You must have. So after a wound to the brain, there's a natural body response, inflammation. Well, what does inflammation do in a closed uh, compartment called the head? It shuts down blood flow reduces the delivery of oxygen to the brain. And so people get hypoxic. It's natural. It's a natural body reaction. Inflammation causes a shutdown or a diminution in the amount of blood and thus the delivery vehicle for oxygen. Hyperbarics fights that inflammation. It puts to rest the 50 to 60% diminution in oxygen you get 12 to 14 times the amount of oxygen flooding into every system in the body, not just the brain. Because in a blast injury, bringing it back to combat, 
All body systems get rocked. The adrenals, oh my goodness, what we know about what's happening to the adrenals and toxic inhalation that leads to more inflammation, etc. So uh, the the use of interventions with plant-based, let's call them medicines, but it's medicine that works on a psychologic level so far as we know. We are begging, begging for research studies on what are called the mechanisms of action, Phil. What actually happens in a brain wound, that is, we know there's something called the concussion cascade. You get hit and rocked in the head from a blast, from a bang in your head from a 50-foot fall, whatever. There's a, a mechanism of action which is deleterious. It's a negative flow of chemicals that cause a, a physical reaction that is not good for the brain for thinking, for sleeping, for remembering, for balance, for a a rich array of well-documented symptoms that are negative. That concussion cascade does not go away in the context of what happens to the cells which are stunned or the cells which die. Well, we can't bring back dead cells, but here's something that doctors seldom can talk about because it's not taught in medical schools. Stem cell propitiation. In the brain and in body, new stem cells that go to the site of the wound, anywhere in the body, and heal the wound. Neurogenesis, angiogenesis, a rich array of healing mechanisms of action. They're not studied well enough, and certainly not with the... uh, psychedelics and hallucinogens and the psychotropics. It hasn't been studied. Are they healing the brain? They are having a magnificent effect on depression. It is astonishing how depression is stomped. I've talked to hundreds of vets who have tried various self-medications. I mean, the big one, obviously, is uh, marijuana. A calming effect. Well, A calming effect is medicinal, yes, but we don't know how the concussion cascade and the deleterious effects are actually being healed. I don't know if ayahuasca causes neurogenesis, a remyelination of nerves, growth of new tissue. I don't know that, but I know with hyperbarics, categorically proven, study after study, grows new brain tissue, new blood vessels delivery of oxygen at 10 to 12 times the amount that you breathe at sea level. So what we're asking for, suicide rates are up despite the VA's efforts to make it seem as though they're getting a handle on this. The Marines talked about an increase. DOD talks about an increase. The number one clinical problem that they face, they both admit, VA and DOD, is suicide prevention. Okay, what does that tell you about what they're doing? They are not healing the brain wound. They don't talk about the brain wound any more than the NFL talks about brain wounding with a concussion. The concussion protocol, what is it, Phil? Yeah, it's a blue tent as far as I know. It's just a blue (laughs) tent on the sidelines. 
Well, they put that blue tent up, and there's some great people who uh, figured out the blue tent. Uh, stand on one leg. Let me look in your eyes. What's the date? What's the score? Touch your nose. Standing on one leg. Stand on the other leg. Look in my eyes. Follow my finger. Uh, and, you know, 85 million people know that somebody just got a concussion, but you have 84 NFL watchers trying to determine whether there was a concussion. I'm not making these numbers up, by the way. Guys with binoculars, and they go through these elaborate procedures to determine whether or not somebody's had a concussion. But then what? Okay, they take their helmet away, and they walk them out of the blue tent to the locker room. What happens in the locker room, Phil? I defy you to find anybody who can tell you that in the locker room, they're working on treating and healing the brain wound. No. Rest. We hope you get better. Rest. There's a sequence. It's either five or seven steps, depending on whose protocol. We have read every concussion protocol worldwide. We watch them change over time. Not one of them, not one, uses the word oxygen. Not one uses the phrase brain wound. Not one of them talks about treating and healing the brain wound. They talk about progressive return to school, classroom, or play. Progressive. What's progressive? In 24 hours, your symptoms are going away. They're less and less. They're arguing now about whether early exercise is good or bad. There's a, a big fist fight worldwide. More exercise, less exercise, rest longer, etc. Oh, stop. If it's painful, stop. Rest a little bit longer. Breathe. Okay. Now let's try it again. Trying to uh, lower the amount of time that you're in the concussion protocol. Return to play faster and faster. No brain wound healing. We are begging medicine to put in their textbooks something about brain wound healing. They talk about wound healing. There's massive manuals on wound healing, but not in the brain. And the Mm. VA absolutely rejects, actively rejects. And all the researchers, if you talk with them about brain wounds, no, 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 no. They're making gajillions of dollars researching the problem, and they're going to make gajillions on manufacturing uh, different chemicals to tamp down this, that, and the other thing. Nothing about brain wound healing, and certainly no research on mechanisms of action by the use of uh, ketamine, for example. They they have a, a another one that is uh, very interesting. It's called a stellate ganglion block, Phil. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's a, a shot in the back of the neck. Yeah. There it is, right in the, the ganglion uh, bundle. And believe me, it's like the T train at the NFL. They expose that. Guys were lined up. They get shot a pterodol, and you can run four hours on a broken ankle. No pain. The T train. That was all exposed back in the pain days. The T train. Well, the stellate ganglion block is, is, it's, it's horse anesthetic for Christ's sakes. And nobody's studying what kind of effect that's having on the nervous system over time. Let's give you another stellate ganglion block or Botox and so forth. Injecting, uh, you know, some people call them poisons. I'm all in favor of medicine. I'm all in favor of good chemistry and so forth. But if you don't know what one injection is doing, much less five or six, and then you get over into the pharmaceutical side of palliation, uh, we've got a video on the website, uh, a fellow finishing up HBOT, he's crying, he's uh, ecstatic at what's been done to help him after years, 
And he opens the cabinet, and there's 53 drugs in the cabinet. Simultaneously, 53 drugs a day. Well, uh, you know, the average is somewhere between 7 and 12 when they come to us, and they've failed every form of trying to tamp down symptomatology. So when we talk about the VA, we want them to be heroes. Just do the right thing. Yeah. We, we're in the middle of counting how many folks have been through our coalition clinics, about 147 all over the U.S. They're on the website. Uh, we're up over 23,000 now. We're over uh, 4,700 veterans and special operators. The Treat Now Coalition started with nine clinics uh, back in uh, 2008 when we kicked off because of the suicide epidemic. Uh, and, and hyperbarics was not what we chose. In a sense, it chose us. I got thrown in with a bunch of hyperbaric experts. Uh, and as a pilot and a scuba diver, I understood hyperbarics, but I had no concept of how it was uh, treating and healing brain injuries. Well, from 2008 to today, we've got from nine to 147. Uh, clinics who are cooperating and providing treatment to veterans at uh, uh, reduced or uh, pro bono rates. And in that time, over 23,000 success stories, 4,700 veteran special operators, uh, active duty and retired who are getting brain wound healing from hyperbarics. And when you recognize that the suicide rate is not only going up, but is masked in all kinds of statistical sleight of hand. For example, they quit counting uh, reservists and National Guard. And these guys were driving trucks and were inordinately damaged by IEDs. So when you quit counting and you don't count everybody, uh, you can play fast and loose with what the chart looks like. But if you look at the latest VA suicide prevention numbers and average out per year the last 20 years, you're over 109,000 suicides, 109,000. There's a simultaneous epidemic of drug overdose deaths, over 100,000 of those. And then you throw in, Phil, and this is the the sickest of all, diabetic foot ulcers. It's on label, safe and effective, used all over the world. Go to any hospital worth its salt, and they'll have a, a wound healing center, and there's a hyperbaric chamber in there. It saves feet. The VA in the last 20 years has chopped off 796,000 feet, lower limb amputations. It's a death sentence for 87% within five years. Lower limb amputations are too late. They should have used hyperbarics a lot earlier. And the VA is not telling veterans that hyperbarics in the vast majority, close to 90% of cases, saves amputations. Mm. Use it sooner and you're going to save them all. But bottom line here, uh, we're up against a culture which is works on symptoms, palliating symptoms, not root cause analysis. And what we're appealing to DOD on suicide prevention is open your mind to the idea that something which exists, which is being used all over DOD, every aircraft carrier out there has a hyperbaric chamber on it. Why? Rapid decompression, super fast aircraft, pulling a lot of Gs, bam, blow the canopy, 
We got a brain problem. Boom, into the hyperbaric chamber. Marines travel with hyperbaric chambers. The President of the United States travels with a portable chamber against possibilities that it needs to be used. So it's out there all over the world. Under our nose is a, I'm not going to call it a solution. It is an additional arrow in the quiver, which ought to be used first, not last or not at all. Let me pump the brakes right there and just ask, why would DOD, why would VA, why would the Army, why would any organization choose willingly to throw money at research and toll-free helplines and hashtags and catchphrases and all these things? Why would they rather do that? Why would they rather do talk-based therapy and pharmaceuticals than fix the actual wound? What's the deal there? Well, this is not new that medicine resists. Way back in the day before we knew about germs, the the germ theory of disease uh, could get you burned at the stake. The the sickest one of uh, the government turning its back on a proven medicine. Some people will remember the Tuskegee study, uh, a 40-year study of uh, blacks in Mississippi with syphilis. And 1932, they started. In 42, penicillin was finally being produced by the literally millions of gallons and shipped worldwide without a randomized controlled trial, by the way, Phil. No trial on penicillin. They just knew it worked. Get it out there. By 42, they knew that it worked on syphilis and probably cured it. From 1942 to 72, 30 years None of the Tuskegee participants were told about penicillin, and it wasn't administered. We kept on for 30 years denying them that knowledge. There there are lots of lots of instances in medicine where similar kinds of blockages are erected against new science. Smoking is one of those. I mean, how long did it take? Seatbelts, for God's sakes. I could go on and on. Everybody has a familiar scientific myth that says, oh, that can't possibly be true. It's not true. It'll never work. Well, uh, Schopenhauer said, well, first it starts as a, a, an enemy, then it's shocking, and over time, it's common knowledge. Well, that's what hyperbaric is. It's common knowledge all over the world. Literally mm. hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, who knows, in China and Russia and all the places it's being used. Japan has hyperbaric uh, chamber ambulances. I could go on and on with all the innovations. But here in the United States, we have a penchant for drugs. You know, we got to break the fixation uh, with drugs. What's the NFL? What's it going to take in the NFL for them? to say, oh, maybe smacking your head is not good for your health. I think they've wakened up. Uh, they they wear the padded helmets in practice and can't touch the quarterback and blah, blah, blah. But is there a connection between smacking your head and CTE? Well, there's a rich one for you. What is CTE? Chronic traumatic encephalopathy. What was it called when we discovered it? Pugilistica dementia, boxer brain. 
you smack your head over and over and over and over and over again, and you get stupid because you got brain injury, got swelling, no blood, hypoxic, and it feels like Muhammad Ali died of Parkinson's. He died of a brain wound that caused symptoms that were very, very similar. I don't think they did uh, forensic pathology on Muhammad's brain, but uh, let's be smart and look at the results. 297 out of 340 brains studied up in Boston uh, affected by CTE. They've got CTE in high school kids. So CTE, while it is presumed you cannot diagnose it actually until after death uh, by looking at brain tissue, uh, is is kind of like saying, we really don't know if my parent has Alzheimer's. Um, we can see, uh, you know, all the neurologic diseases, whether it's Alzheimer's or MS or ALS or et cetera, um, we start seeing symptoms. And when you see those symptoms, one can assume something's wrong. Well, how many people with Alzheimer's are checked for brain injuries? A real history on where did it happen? We have had people come to us 50 years after the fact. Our, our gold standard is Sammy Davis. Uh, the world knows of Sammy because he was Forrest Gump. The movie, Tom Hanks' face, was dropped on, on uh, Sammy Davis. And 50 years after his injury, 1968, uh, he came to us uh, on the way down, his wife Dixie and he. And Sammy Davis, it's like he's 40 years old now. Joe Namath, same, same. You look at the, the website and you see these videos. It's never too late to reverse the damage that has been done. It's never too late. I'm telling my Vietnam veteran pals, it's never too late. We can reverse some of the damage. Some. Such good news. And at the same time, so frustrating to hear, as you'd said, we have a penchant for pills. We tend to want to do everything through pharmacology and just looking at doing something as rudimentary as applying oxygen in a pressurized environment so that all those other uh, things can go on on a cellular level. It just seems so damn obvious, and it is frustrating to know that not just DOD, not just military, but like science, science itself, practitioners, medical doctors are are fighting what seems to be common everyday sense that you might learn in eighth grade science class about the benefits of oxygen to cells. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about what the Department of Veterans Affairs prefers. Um, you wrote in this recent article again, uh, days ago, the Department of Veterans Affairs issued a intention to study the use of certain psychedelic compounds in treating post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. Obviously, both of those are behind the suicide epidemic. The substances to be studied include psilocybin and MDMA, which we know as ecstasy which when used in conjunction with psychotherapy to treat veterans with PTSD and depression, this continues the VA's penchant to study mental health problems rather than solving them. And you listed four things that they love to revert to. And this is kind of their go-to. What are the four things that the VA seemingly loves doing instead of hyperbaric oxygen? Well, therapy? it's, it's listed on their website. Um, and they did, a. um, a demonstration, it was a laughable effort at the VA 
uh, to study hyper. And, uh, let me rephrase that. Their job, um, and Congress was on them and is still on them to study hyperbarics for PTSD and TBI as a, a way to sort of tamp down Congress and say, we're working on it. A three year effort and not much effort. They called it a demonstration project where they were watching no study, no science. They adamantly, uh, uh, declared in writing and out loud, this has nothing to do with science. We're just studying whether or not it makes sense logistically to offer hyperbarics. What, what does a veteran have to go through, uh, in order to get it? And what does it cost? And what's the investment and so on? Not medicine. They weren't doing medicine. Well, we were, we were at the end of the study. Um, we, we, we had convinced them that it was very hard to find PTSD only candidates that as the army has shown now, and Johns Hopkins, the Israelis, more and more blast studies are showing PTSD in all likelihood. I'm almost quoting them in all likelihood with a combat veteran is a secondary sequelae to an underlying traumatic brain injury. So PTSD, while there is pure PTSD, I absolutely salute first responders and folks who deal with horrific kinds of trauma, sexual trauma, um, watching violence or being affected by violence directly or indirectly can cause PTSD. In a combat veteran, you should be checking for brain injury and PTSD. If you look at the Gantt chart uh, on uh, um, our Venn diagram and look at the overlap of the symptomatology of PTSD and TBI, very hard to, to suss out where one begins and the other one ends. So assume for the moment that a combat veteran who's been in combat, maybe 17 times like some we treat, has a brain injury. Pretend, just for argument's sake, that it's not a mental health issue alone, that they're not weak, that they're not psychologically unstable, that they came to the military already damaged from a bad childhood. You cannot believe the excuses they come up with to use PTSD as the diagnosis and not TBI. And why, you might ask, because a TBI is a physical injury. If it's a psychological injury, you, Phil, are the problem, not your brain wound. Man up. Get with it. Look at him. He was there. He's not hurting. It's your problem, Phil. So we, we deal with this all the time. And the, the four that the VA, when, when they ran this demonstration project, they said, well, anybody who is allowed into the program has to first have gone through, uh, failed, failed at two of the four top notch interventions in the VA. What's number one? Psychopharmacology, drugs. There isn't a veteran with PTSD or TBI who goes through the VA and says, Oh, I'm so glad I'm taking 17 drugs. And they all try and get off the drugs. The bulk of them go get their drugs so that they at least get their benefits. And they, but they don't like taking them. It makes you stupid. You know the stories on psychopharmacology. 
Second, cognitive behavioral therapy. Let's talk this through. One-on-one, multiple. Um, um, four months from now, we'll have our next session. We don't have a psychiatrist available. We've got a licensed practical nurse. Let's talk this through. You know, the VA is down thousands and thousands of mental health practitioners, etc. Okay, so we've got drugs. we got talk therapy. We've got this um, um, controversial, to be sure. In some cases, it works. I've bumped into lots of people who have tried EMDR, eye movement desensitization and rehabilitation. Uh, it's a, a controversial therapy. Uh, there's a study or two that have come out recently that declare it's uh, a, a mishmash and can't be proven. But basically, follow my finger, follow the red light, and uh, keep thinking about what happened to you, what happened uh, uh, when you think you got wounded, where that memory is coming from. So EMDR is an attempt to use a, a variety of assistance to work on the memory of the damage which has been done or what you have seen and and tamp it down. In effect, power through it, EMDR. And the last one, uh, equally as controversial, uh, immersion therapy or uh, the the equivalent of we're going to create a computer program and we're going to record in the computer program the event that appears to be haunting you. You know, the death of your best friend in your arms, uh, explosions that killed your friends, that blew your legs off, whatever that is. Uh, we're going to recreate that with words and computers, and we are going to pound you with that day after day, month after month, until you're okay and it's not bothering you anymore. Those are their top four. So we have a, a paper. It's on, on the website. Uh, it's, it's called uh, Interventions. Just type it in in the knowledge base, and you will see the literally hundreds and hundreds of interventions. Everything from dance therapy and dog petting and art therapy and Tai Chi and acupuncture and hundreds of drugs and computer games by the thousands. Seems like every PhD thesis in psychology uh, winds up as a, a, a veteran affairs intervention. Let's work on this. Let's work on using sticky notes to give you your memory on the wall. It goes on and on with coping mechanisms. And how many veterans have heard this? We've got to get you to realize a new normal. We got to make you comfortable with your new normal. Ah, the new normal. Yeah, I've heard that thousands of times. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's dumbing down what you are capable of doing instead of we're going we're going to give you not just your life back and your body back. We're going to give you your family back. We're going to give you hope. Depression goes away. Uh, hyperbarics is called in some circles a cure for suicidal ideation. That's controversial. Cure means gone forever. But cure, as in cancer, we've cured your cancer. Well, it may come back. We've cured uh, this, that, and the other thing. It's controversial to say it cures, but if it's 100% gone, in 98% of the cases, 
That's pretty damn good, particularly when the suicide rate is going up and up and up. So one of the things we catalog carefully, symptomatology on the front end, midway through 40 treatments, so at 20, another test, and at the end, and then over time, how are you doing on a bunch of, we call them markers or endpoints, studying how are you doing psychologically, behaviorally, emotionally, financially, et cetera, et cetera. And suicidal ideation is one of those. And it tamps it down and eliminates suicidal ideation. Why? We're healing the brain and restoring function to centers, which we all learn to use to cope with stress. Mm. And we, we allow coping with stress, like coping with running, uh, uh, 10.0 100-yard dash by healing the friggin' ankle. In this case, it's the brain. Heal the wound. Don't mm. just keep taping the damn thing without looking at, is it broken down there in your ankle? Imagine if we treated broken bones the way we treat broken brains. Well, you're going to get better. But take a rest. Take a knee. Right. We're not going to go in there and repair it. We just hope you get better. Or sitting on a couch going, let's talk about the day you really felt the pain in the back of your leg. Oh, you mean the day I actually broke my femur? Yeah. No, no. let's just talk about that day. No, better yet, here's a video game. Strap these goggles on and relive the moment where you felt that pain. And we'll let you watch your leg breaking a hundred times over and over again. Your leg will get better. better. Okay, try this one. Try this one. Try try uh, uh, using mind control and willpower to deal with diarrhea. Who do you think is going to win? It won't be the CBT folks. Let's cure it. So, uh, yeah. in in uh, you know, black humor gets gets us through the day. But to return to. Uh, the, the nine points that we stress that the VA has yeah, to learn. That was the, that was the finale of the article. And you did say that there, you know, on this list, these are things the VA needs to memorize yep. instead of pouring all this money into these lists of alternative treatments, modalities, video games, the different kinds of therapies. These are nine things or several things. The VA just straight up needs to memorize and implement in 2024 instead of monkeying around. Well, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm very cautious about saying stop doing this, that, or the other thing. We, we want to be an arrow in their quiver. What they will learn is that the return on investment with HBOT is in the hundreds of billions of dollars, starting with drug costs. We can pay for all treatments with the amount of drugs returned unused to the VA. The numbers of pills which are handed out are staggering, not only in the effect they have on the body, but on the budget. So it's a market share, if you will, is at risk if you heal somebody and they don't have to uh, take drugs uh, for the rest of their lives. Um, that cuts into the bottom line, but it also returns money to the budget. We wrote a book. Um, called the brain drain, Phil, uh, in which we catalog the costs of um, not treating brain wounds. Our estimate, and again, it's an estimate of the number of untreated brain injuries 
in just post 9-11 veterans, 876,450. The VA admits to about 450,000. We know they're undercounting. They've been undercounting since the first day when they said there were only 2,500 TBIs and on and on. Irrespective, using our calculations, we, we're an open book. It's all out there. Every formula we use, we look at the impact of untreated brain injury on taxes, on income, on the, the penal system, on the world of psychology and law, the ripple effect through the family and the danger that it causes, the secondary TBI to spouses and caregivers, homelessness, suicidality, et cetera, et cetera. All of those indicators have a cost attached to them. Here's the bottom line. To not treat 876,000 brain wounds over the 40-year assumed period of life, 876,000 over 40 years, $4.7 trillion cost, $4.7 trillion. To treat all of them with 80 dives, hyperbarics, one half of 1% of that cost. And we can do it all in under 10 years, not over a 40-year period of pain and suffering. And with some kind of energy, we can probably do it in five years. There's a huge market in hyperbaric chambers. We can build chambers, have already built chambers that will treat 50 people at a time. They've got a Travis uh, um, hyperbaric chamber, seats 20 people. They've got an unfinished one in Hampton Roads, 20 people. Navy never finished the damn thing. We've got some clinics out there. Yeah, there's one in Florida I covered called the Aviv Clinics. And Dr. Yep, Mo yep, yep. down there, he described it as sitting in like, uh, sitting in a lounge in a chair, watching a movie, reading a book, checking out right, your right. phone, emails. The whole dang room becomes pressurized. You don't have to lay down in the tube anymore. Right. You just sit there as if you're in a living room or on a, he described it as like being on a flight and yes. you're in there for two hours and then you come out and you do that. You go on that experience multiple times and gradually that oxygen's getting in cells doing its thing that oxygen does on a cellular level and it's working. Well, uh, uh, the Aviv Center is, is uh, a nice wellness center. Uh, it's in the villages in Florida. They have four 14 person multi-place chambers and they are doing world class research on neurologic disorders, anti-aging, uh, stroke recovery and so on. World class research at Aviv. Uh, on our website, we list all of the centers who are part of the coalition under treatment centers. You can see. Uh, the rich array of commercial interests and uh, uh, an enormous number of parents whose children have been saved by HBOT for a variety of reasons who have opened their own clinics to give back. It's astonishing hmm. how many parents have opened clinics to treat and heal others because their children were saved by hyperbarics. Yeah. All right, let's dive in a couple more of those points that you think the VA really should memorize and start applying in 2024. Here's one. It's, it, it, it seems almost comic to realize that the VA violates the, the code of ethics. I mean, it, I, I say comic, tragic, tragic comedy. Um, there's a rule that patients deserve to be told 
what treatments are available and the effects of those treatments. When you open up a, a bottle of pills and out falls a two yard long set of words in 14 languages that tell you everything that could go wrong. Okay. That's informed consent. The FDA demands that if you're going to uh, get on label and be approved, you have to study it well enough to know what the negative consequences are and obviously um, why it's going to help you. Well, doctors take an oath. First, do no harm. Well, they also are bound by the code of medical ethics and ethics demand that patients be told that treatments exist which are not going to kill you. And if we do this procedure, whether it's surgery or a drug or some kind of intervention medically, here are the risks and here are the benefits. And so the patient gets a decision, uh, gets a, a voice, a vote, if you will. That's called informed consent. It is mandatory in randomized controlled trials that people be told, well, on label, Diabetic foot ulcers all over the world are being cured with hyperbaric oxygen therapy, i.e. an open wound, whether from diabetes or any other source, can heal faster and avoid amputation. That's the point. Avoid amputation and heal the wound and deal with the diabetes. Oh, that's a damnable disease. But let's not start chopping off feet because it is proven using the VA's own numbers, their own numbers indicate more lower limb amputations that have led to death within five years, that's close to 800,000, than all service members, U.S. service members killed in all wars since the start of World War I. Lower than 700,000, and we've chopped off almost 800 feet leading to death. We are talking carnage. We are talking medical malpractice. We are talking no informed consent. I sat at a, a at a concert next to a woman. We got to talking. I didn't know her from Adam. And she tells me about, she heard I was an Air Force pilot. In the past, her father, an Air Force pilot, had just had his foot chopped off due to diabetes. I said, really? And uh, did they offer him hyperbarics? What's that? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never told. And this is common. This is standard practice. Don't tell them about hyperbarics. We want to know why. There is a cultural, and, and it's almost, I, I don't know how to phrase it. It's a, a rock rib stupidity. It's not taught in medical schools. You have to bump up against it if you're on your rounds to learn about hyperbarics. Very few doctors read literature about new uh, discoveries. And if you go to PubMed, where most of them do, and they're asked, should I use hyperbarics? All the literature that the Army propagated, their five studies say HBOT doesn't work. We know it's a lie. They have now been informed that science has proven, proven that any increase in pressure or oxygen concentration is medicine. Therefore, their findings are wrong. Their data are good. The data show everybody got better. It's on the VA website. We cannot ignore the fact that people got better. So we have to investigate. They're spending money on investigating what they're calling the placebo effect 
i.e. the ritual of hyperbarics. That is an invented phrase. I know the people who invented it. The ritual of hyperbarics. Such nice people. I'm not making this up. This is a real study on the ritual of hyperbarics. Well, let's, let's talk serious medicine. We are treating and healing all over the world, and the VA and DOD refuse to accept the science. Tainted water in Detroit or at Camp Lejeune. I could go on and on with everything we've avoided. Burn pits is the most recent insult to veterans. The denial that it's even a real thing. Burn pits. Well, we finally got through to them, and now burn pits are recognized, presumed, they call it, the symptoms of burn pits are presumed to have been caused by inhaling toxic gases for 365 days. What a shock. And I have here in front of me that I'm holding up to the screen, but it's this thick yep. thousand-page book. I mean, I'll set it down. Entitled wow. Respiratory Health Effects of Airborne Hazards, Exposures in Southwest Asia Theater of Military Operations. Uh, this was a consensus study report from the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine. Uh, but the VA went by this as gospel. In this thousand pages, they claimed they couldn't establish a connection between breathing in hazardous material and getting sick. Yet, Agent Orange. Finally, the vets pushed hard enough and we did get the pact act and i can officially put this book that i just showed you in the garbage probably where it belongs but, but, but uh, phil phil don't don't throw that away um uh, until you you tell your listeners the burn pits have caused an almost incalculable damage to maybe as many as three and a half million vets who are in theater maybe whatever the number there's in a combat veteran, it's called polytrauma. It's one of the nine points. So much damage is being done to the entire body and respiratory problems and the inhalation of toxins. In addition to brain injury and assaults on the heart and the adrenals and the lungs and so forth from blast have led more and more veterans to abandon the VA because all they're getting is pills, more and more and more pills. You've heard some of the stories. We have a growing number of burn pit victim veterans uh, going through hyperbarics to astonishing results. And I'll just say it out loud. Uh, long haul COVID worldwide research, Italy, Russia, Germany, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Long haul COVID. We kick their ass with hyperbarics because it's hypoxia and uh, respiratory problems. That doesn't cure everything. But you want to breathe and get off a ventilator or never go on a ventilator. Amazing research being done. But again, the system is resistant to an intervention which cannot be patented and turned into profit for shareholders. God gave us oxygen. And it's free. And the relative cost of bundling into a pressure vessel is pennies on the millions of dollars. We've shown that. Absolutely love it. Dr. Robert Beckman, just so great. Great to hear you speak with such passion and such fact, pure, unadulterated science. I'll say that there's so many other things on this list uh, that you can, again, find at treatnow.org. 
Um, wanted to ask just real quick as we wrap this up, only with my personal experience most recently, uh, you know, we both talked, you know, there's back injuries in our families. You know, we both have relatives that have had some sort of back injury. What I wanted to know specifically, because you really opened up my eyes to what like hyperbarics and what oxygen uh, does, you know, to even the spinal areas and herniated discs and sciatic pain. And without getting into all the details there, my wife, who in my family had the back injury, resulted in some surgery and still is dealing with the sciatic pain, even post-surgery, because the herniation has not disappeared. She wanted to know, how many times do you have to go to the hyperbaric center and do what's called the dive? We reached out to one not too far from us, where we live here in Maryland. And aside from the insurance complication and how much money it costs out of pocket, because nobody wants to back this, even though it is so scientifically sound. How many dives do you have to go in? Because this organization said, well, you'll have to come in four times a week. You'll have to be in for two hours at a time. And by the time you get there and back, it almost seemed like a full-time job just going to this clinic. When you go and need hyperbaric oxygen therapy, how does it work? And how many sessions do you need before you start to see some sort of traceable difference in the condition? Phil, I'm going to, I have to hedge on this because um, if you've seen one brain injury or one back injury, you've seen one brain injury or back injury. Everyone is different genetically, physiologically, uh, all the demographics on age and gender and on and on and on. Um, I know for a fact that in wound healing, 30 to 40 percent faster healing of wounds, neurologic disorders, um, uh, MS, I'll, I'll give you an MS uh, example. In Britain, there's 66 uh, multi-place chambers, separate clinics in the UK, 66. They're run by and for MS patients. It's not on uh, United Health Service in England. They don't accept it. But here's the fact. 66 clinics are treating MS patients themselves day after day after day after day. And after a certain point, they go on, uh, we call it a maintenance dose. So the initial MS, which is scars on the lungs and hyperbarics is fabulous on reducing scars, reforming, if you will, the respiratory system. Similarly, on neurologic disorders. Remember, I'm a, a PhD, not an MD, and surgeons, and I've been talking with a lot of neurosurgeons lately to try and get a handle on neurologic disorders and the mechanisms of action of hyperbarics. For brain injury, just a everyday common TPI, whatever that means, the average treatment is 40 dives, 40, 40. Why 40? Because that's how much money we had in the early days for 40. We prefer 80. And a dive can cost anywhere from zero to 350 bucks per hour. The uh, Medicaid uh, rate they pay by the unit, 30 minute units and sometimes 90 minutes in the chamber is better at a higher pressure for burns, for example. But is it better? to start a treatment that has a high probability of helping or continuing to palliate symptoms um, so that it doesn't interrupt your life. Uh, I've got a three-star general who has a very active life who is going to the clinic twice a week and diving twice a day. 
So get four dives in in a week. You can dive twice a day. It is an interruption of your life, but there's an end to it. We have uh, Pat Maney, general down in Florida. He's now a legislator. He was a judge. First veteran treated with hyperbarics. Pat Maney. Phenomenal success story with hyperbarics. He has built up veterans' courts in order that veterans with untreated and undiagnosed brain injury can go and get diagnosed properly and look at mitigating circumstances and reduce their sentences and so forth and heal them. So Pat Maney has had 120 dives. Uh, uh, Joe Namath, 120 dives. The damage is is relative and Joe talks about having had five concussions where he was not clean out. Who knows? I've got a buddy I played ball with who was on the undefeated Miami Dolphins team. Just talked with him. He's had, he thinks, they were guessing, 120 concussions. Uh, the number of, you know, we're back to the CTE. Low blows aren't concussions, but you keep doing that to yourself, you're going to be black and blue. And the the answer to your wife's question or anybody who's wondering, what does it take? It takes as much as it takes. And a, a an interruption of your life, I mean, a dedication to a one-month course of treatment. You can get 40 dives in one month, diving twice a day, five days a week, 10 dives, four weeks. You can do it. We do it with active duty all the time. So my best summary, listen to your doctor and your body, your body. Is it getting you off drugs? Is it helping you sleep better? That's a big piece, the pain that prevents good sleep. Is it helping you get off of drugs and onto good stuff? There's there's no getting around. There's a lifestyle change required when you got a back injury, but the constant inflammation has to be kept in check. And there's ways to do it with diet and hyperbaric simultaneously. And the transverse activity in the nerve system, it's got to flow down the nerve to the foot and back up to regenerate, to get those stem cells working. And that's an important part of any injury. Any injury, knees, ankles, all throughout the body, including the brain and the heart and the gut that gets, remember, every part of the body is getting smashed and compressed and then expanded and compressed five to six times. All of that is causing what could be lifelong inflammation. You got to get on top of the inflammation. So all I can encourage uh, is openness with the doctor. Read on the website lots. Just type in on Google, uh, back surgery, uh, hyperbaric neurologic disorders and see what pops up. You'll find some studies. There's more and more studies being done. In fact, surgery inside hyperbaric chambers inside. What I loved about what you just said is ask your doctor and then listen to your body. And it has been discussed so often this last hour, but so many times it seems the doctor 
wants to go down the pharmacological route, wants to go down the treatment of symptoms route, and your body is screaming an entirely different tale that doesn't want just plain band-aids put on bullet wounds. It really wants healing. It, it, it wants it on a cellular level and, you know, to a greater degree, I believe that what you're saying here with hyperbaric oxygen therapy is that it's just treating it in a different way. It is not palliative. It is not just trying to cover symptoms and make you feel okay. And maybe I can give you some more pain pills or maybe I can get in there and noodle around again and do another surgery. No, we need to start looking at root cause analysis and this hyperbaric oxygen therapy, as you've said so many times throughout this hour, gives a lot of hope. And I love the science you're laying down. I love the way you've kind of called out VA here with respect to its big announcement uh, at the end of 2023 with psychedelic research, all are well and good. You're not trying to slam and say some other therapy should not be done, but we do need to look at the significance of what hyperbaric oxygen therapy is about. I'll let you wrap up here with just a one real quick phrase, but it's something that's at the end of each one of your newsletters and in fact is the mantra uh, begins with heal brains. Stop suicides, restore lives, treat now. Outstanding. Dr. Robert Begman, that is what treatnow.org is all about. Hit up the website we just mentioned there, and uh, you can read this newsletter as well as many other different publications you have. But it is just great spending time with you, and uh, I'll be sure to share some of the details here with my wife as uh, she sorts through her back issues. But uh, again, thank you for being on Ion Veterans. Look forward to more at treatnow.org, Doc. Nice to see you, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.